Uh, there are a lot of things I'm not good at, but I'd like to think I'm a decent public speaker. Uh, I've been fortunate to be able to do a fair amount of speeches at Ridley, along with one play-by-play -play broadcast, and I always enjoy doing stuff like that. Uh, I especially enjoyed the valedictorian speech I got to deliver at a great graduation because it meant a lot to me, and uh, you know, I thought I did a pretty good job. You might have even described it as memorable. Uh, but then, last year, I was talking to Cameron in math class, and uh, I'm not sure how the subject of my valedictorian speech came up, but shockingly, she couldn't really remember anything I said. Uh, she even asked whether I'd made a joke about the chicken, and for the record, I did not make a joke about the chicken, or about Mr. Smith's nose, or any of those other overused topics. So that was somewhat disappointing. Uh, but I was sure that the rest of my grading classmates had extremely vivid recollections of my speech, so I asked around a bit, and I did not get the results I hoped for. So it would seem that my speech was uh, not as memorable as I thought. And that got me thinking about how I could make this speech more memorable, which in turn got me thinking about the memorable speeches I've heard other Ridleyans deliver. Uh, obviously, I've heard a few prefect speeches in my day, and I know that, like many of you, some of them have stuck with me longer than others. Uh, but to me, there is one that clearly stands out, and it was given during my grade 10 year by Prefect Monica Morcos, who was always very thoughtful and thought-provoking in her speeches. Uh, in this particular address, she opened with a moving story about how she was bullied when she was younger, and then transitioned into what I would characterize as a really good defense of free speech. And I think the message was this. We need to recognize the difference between language that is truly hurtful and offensive a language that we simply don't agree with. We need to distinguish between personal attacks and healthy debate. After all, said Monica, what is the point of celebrating diversity if we're not going to celebrate a diversity of ideas? You should invite people to challenge your viewpoints because if you feel strongly about something, you better have plenty of evidence to back up your opinion. I remember saying, Challenge me on politics, challenge me on religion, and I'll tell you why I think the way I do. In her view, not allowing others to question your viewpoints was a sign of intellectual weakness. It's effectively an admission that your beliefs are too fragile to stand up to any sort of opposition. So today, faculty and students, I'd like to take this opportunity to build on some of the arguments I've just referenced. I think that freedom of expression is an incredibly important topic, especially in today's society, and especially for this generation. Uh, so with that in mind, I have three central ideas that I'd like you to consider carefully, and if you disagree with any of them, feel free to let me know. Uh, the first big thing is don't shy away from tough issues. I think there are way too many people these days who withhold their opinion because they're afraid of offending others, and that worries me a little. Uh, this isn't about being controversial for the sake of causing a stir, because that is silly. This is about exercising the rights that you have as a citizen of a free country. I've always believed that freedoms don't really mean anything if you don't feel free to use those freedoms. In my mind, it's not a truly free society when Colin Kaepernick gets badges from the NFL for kneeling during the national anthem. It's also not a truly free society when conservative pundit Ann Coulter has to cancel a university speech due to the threats of violent protests. If you're going to express your views peacefully, you should be allowed to say whatever you want. And if other people don't like it, you engage in a civil and intelligent discussion. One of the things I've loved about the Ridley Debate Club is that I think we've been able to do just that. 
have simple and intelligent discussions about tough topics. Uh, those of you who have been around as long as I have will remember that three years ago, the Valentine's Day debate was about whether the Confederate flag should be banned, and two years ago, it was about whether Indigenous-themed sports logos should be banned. Uh, personally, do I think it's appropriate to put a Confederate flag on public display? No. Do I think it's appropriate for an NFL team to call itself the Redskins? No. But if you disagree, I think that you should feel comfortable saying so. You should be given the right to make valid counter-arguments without being immediately accused of racism. We don't get anywhere as a society by blocking out each other's voices. We only get somewhere when we listen and discuss and work together. The second idea I wanted to present is that we can disagree without being disagreeable. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Uh, I'm not sure who originally uttered that quote, but it's one of my favorites. Oftentimes when we think of disagreements, we think of tension and conflict and hostility, and I think that's because there are some people who simply like to attack rather than persuade. And uh, by the way, arguments are normally far more convincing if they're presented respectfully rather than condescendingly. But still, there are some people who have that I'm right, you're wrong attitude, and it's clear they have no intention of actually listening to your point of view. I said before that there are too many people who are hesitant to share their opinion. Well, I think there are also too many people who are hesitant to change their opinion. I thought ESPN host Mike Greenberg summed it up pretty accurately when he said, the problem is that these days people pick and choose which side they're going to be on, and then they dig in so strongly that you have now demonized the other side to the point that we can't even have a conversation anymore. And to me, that's deeply unfortunate because there is so much we can learn from the other side. I remember American Senator Marco Rubio once lamenting how politicians get criticized for changing their positions. In his view, when you get new information and new input, you should, at the very least, rethink your position. And I completely agree. There's no shame in admitting when someone else makes a valid point. And there's definitely no shame in letting your views evolve over time. Alright, my third idea is simply do your research. Uh, with all of these sources of information available to us in this day and age, uh, there's really no excuse for not being well informed. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a strong opinion if you can back it up. But there's also nothing worse than trying to be outspoken when you don't really know what you're talking about. Uh, I fundamentally support your right to say whatever you want, but it really should have some basis in fact. When I watch the news these days, it sometimes seems like there's a competition to see who can make the most outrageous, provocative comments, who can deliver the hottest of all the hot takes. And uh, that's fine to a point, I like a good hot take, but what I don't have time for is an ignorant take. Uh, for example, when Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said, it's absurd to believe there's a link between football and CTE, that was an ignorant take. That's just denying reality. And when you deny reality, it's impossible to have a productive discussion. We cannot effectively debate an issue if we're working with separate sets of facts. That's why it's essential that we take the time to learn the facts, the real facts. Educate yourself so that you don't fall into the trap of believing something just because you heard someone say it or you saw it in a video and it sounds like it's true. Uh, it's kind of scary to me when the terms post-truth politics and post-truth world get thrown around these days. Like, are we really so lazy and unintelligent that we've lost the ability to distinguish fact from fiction? I would prefer to think not. Uh, I would prefer to think that if we do research, we 
we can filter out the noise, we can recognize how we're being misled, and we can ultimately make better choices and have better discussions. Uh, so, if all of that is too much to remember, uh, for Cameron or for others, uh, I'll try to boil down my speech to a few sentences. Uh, I think that we should all have well-researched and well-thought-out views, that we should be willing to share them in a respectful manner, and that we should be willing to change them if we're given sufficient reason to do so. I think that it's okay to be a contrarian, it's okay to be tastefully controversial, but it's not okay to be objectively wrong, and it's not okay to be intolerant of other beliefs. I think that we should all be passionate about what we stand for, but I also think you can be passionate without being closed-minded. And most of all, I think that the way we conduct our public discourse can be improved, and I hope that this generation will lead the way. Thank you.